another edition of RZ Weekly, a weekly podcast about religious Zionism, modern orthodoxy, and everything in between. My name is Ruvay Spalter. I'm here with Harav Johnny Solomon, who's swatting a fly, which is why I was laughing. I apologize. I appreciate, you probably will be doing that for the rest of the show. And already Molly Bravsky. Uh, both of them are teachers in seminaries and do important work in all other places. Uh, I am the director and developer of an online uh, platform called Kita, Flip Learning. If you want to know about it, email me. Today we're going to do uh, two things. Our main topic, we're going to do, we're going to talk about uh, uh, the relationship between the religious community in Israel and the evangelical Christian world in America. And we're going to do it uh, with the backdrop of a documentary called Ad Sofa Olam, To the End of the World, To the Ends of the Earth, I guess. Uh, which was a documentary about this uh, about this relationship and about a certain uh, evangelical church and the IJCC, the International uh, Jewish something for Christians and Jews, International if International I get Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Fellowship IFCC Fellowship for Christians and CJ. Jews. Okay, IFCJ. Thank you. Okay, we'll get that. Uh, uh, and uh, and then at the end we're going to do a new feature called Hamlatzot, where each one will share. A hamlatza, a recommendation about something that they encountered during the week that they want to share. So, um, why don't I'll, 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 th- th- this topic is a topic that's been ongoing for many years uh, here in Israel, and I would say it's kind of like sort of winding down in a sense. It's not as burning as it used to be, probably for practical reasons because it's very hard to say no to a lot of money. Um, but ideologically, it's still uh, exists, and, and and there are a number of facets that I want to address. The first one is Judaic, or what I would call halachic. There are halachic issues with relationship to taking money from non-Jews, and can we just sort of overlook them? And then there's hashkafic issues, ideological issues. And then obviously the more interesting or difficult, challenging issues are the political issues or theological issues that go into it. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Rav Johnny to sort of you know, and not, you don't have to give us a whole treatise, Johnny, but to, you know, just to sort of spell out, if, if you're comfortable, just spell out what are the basic issues of taking money from evangel- groups of evangelical Christians, and then I'll turn it to Molly to sort of give us the bottom line about what the halachic positions are uh, nowadays, yes or no. Take it away, Johnny. Okay, so before we actually get to that, and while we've already mentioned that Sofa Olam, this documentary that uh, was produced by Khan. Uh, here in Israel, I'll tell you just a little bit about my Aliyah story because um, evangelical Christians. <laughs> I, I love. Work I want to hear your Aliyah story, but it, I, this always happens. I always ask you a question, right. and like I know, a politician, you just ignore of my question. Of course I do. And then now I'm going to get to it. <laughs> okay. But I want to tell you that I- in the months prior to us making Aliyah, my wife attended kind of a pre-Aliyah ulpan, of which. Uh, obviously, a number of people making Aliyah on our flight or, or close flights attended, but also as did some Christian evangelicals who were financially supporting Jews making Aliyah. So she was in Ulpan with uh, a number of friends or people that became her friends, and, and, and this, uh, and a number of individuals, particularly a gentleman who was very, very clear. This is why he was there. He was supporting Jews making Aliyah. He was really proud to be part of this Ulpan process. And in fact, he... Is he or people of his group um, are on all of the flights supported by Nefesh Benefesh? You know, as we as we come from uh, England or America or elsewhere uh, to Israel. So 
I, I mentioned that because why was he in the Why what was he doing in the Upan? Because he Hebrew? because he's he's got very strong ties with not just Israel but promoting people coming to Israel and wants to learn the language and therefore the people are training those who are making Aliyah which he financially supports. He joins in with the Upan and then travels on the flight and you know cheers people on. I remember because midway through the flight as we were juggling like five kids uh this person my wife had gotten to know through upan he was stuck holding one of my twins for i think a half an hour so thank you very much for that <laughs> the quick point is that this isn't just a theoretical uh, issue the evangelical financial support personal support activism involvement is is a significant part of a number of people's alias stories and a very significant part of uh financial aid given to the state of Israel institutions they're in, and communities specifically, though not exclusively, in Judea Shomron. So I say that as a backdrop, especially based on the points made in Ad Sofolam. In response to your question, there has been, uh, already from the time of the Gemara, onwards a, a, a lengthy debate as to whether it's appropriate or not for Jews to receive money from non-Jews and depending on which type of group, what their agenda is, what their level of idolatrous practice is, uh, and as one would expect, even the question of whether receiving money from Christian evangelicals now is a matter of, of disagreement. There are some who say that shouldn't be done because they view the origin and the agenda of the givers as being problematic. And there are others who say, these people are helping us do what we want. It makes them happy. It's a win-win. And it's, there's a pragmatic choice to receive money with appreciation from all manner of sources, especially since the majority of those involved do not actively uh, speak about proselytizing in the here and now, although they do speak quite significantly about the end of days and what that may well imply. So that's a, the short story and the short summary. How does that go? For those who are interested, by the way, Rabbi uh, Dr. Shlomo Brody has a, a brief and yet, uh, as always, coherent and, and well-referenced article on this question of receiving monies from Christian evangelicals, making reference to some of the halachic issues. But nevertheless, even those who purely talk about it in a halachic framework, the whole question which was suggested in Ad Sofa Olam, and truth be told had been suggested and discussed in other prior articles and documentaries is, what is really happening? Meaning, there is a public exchange of finances, there's a public exchange of friendship, there's a public exchange of support, but what are the things happening? Uh, and this is something that we should be concerned by either practically, politically, or theologically. Okay, so um, I would say, just from my basic understanding, so the more, like, there are issues in the Shulchan Aruch about accepting money. It's not like you know, Shekhan Aruch says you can't accept money from non-Jews. And then the question becomes, is this under that categorization? Is this that classification? Does it apply in this case? Uh, and uh, my general understanding is the more uh, conservative with a small C you are vis-a-vis these issues, the more Khardali, the more Haredi you are, the more outspoken you are about how it's prohibited in the Shulchan Aruch. And the more modern you are, the more, you know, the more, the more resilient you will be vis-a-vis, vis-a-vis accepting this kind of money. Now, we live in the modern community, and I know from Avinir, right word, they're, they're less comfortable about accepting money directly from, from non-Jews, but our, you know, our worldview, you know, the, the, the modern worldview, the Rabbanim are, are okay with it. 
that means I, 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 I just I just stop for a second saying it may well be that some people that you categorize more to the right say no and those more liberal or more central say yes I I'm not done a survey and I would be wary to be insistent that that's how all people read that question ultimately you know to 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 examine a halachic question here the question is not just what the shochanach say what a lot of sources say but also how do we read this phenomena? What do we think of these particular groups? What do we think of the agendas? And I think different people read these phenomena differently. And I don't, I'm not entirely sure it's, it's purely, you know, one to the more right and more centre. Although perhaps I know the opinion cited by Rabbi Dr. Brody imply that, but he doesn't say that explicitly. And I, I'm not quite sure he would necessarily insist on that uh, reading uh, absolutely. Okay, but there is a rule in not, not brought down the Shulchan Aruch. You might have heard of it. It's called the Golden Rule, uh, and that rule is something like this: He who has the gold rules, meaning like, when 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 you take money from someone, you give them a certain level of power over you. Now, they may not ever claim to want to use that power, but they you're giving them that power. Molly, do you agree with the Golden Rule and? How does that make you feel when you have your handout taking uh, uh, billions of dollars from an evangelical Christian group? We're going to going to come to theology later, but I'm asking you about vis-a-vis the golden rule. But, you know, what, what does that what does that make you? How does that? I don't I don't relate to that. As, first of all, I don't think it's what most people are concerned about. I think. Notwithstanding that you keep talking about this Shulchan Aruch Isur and that there might may be rabbinim for whom that's the major issue, I think for most of the people who are wary, I think their their caution is either theological or political. Um, so so that's the first thing I would say. So that's why your question, you, you know, so I, I don't, I, I mean, we could, you know, you can ask that question, maybe we should stop taking money from America. You know, people say that we should be less financially dependent on America because now we're in their pocket. So yes, that's a great question. So but I don't find it particularly problematic or worrying or compelling when it comes to evangelicals. I just I think in general that's an issue that has to do with um, taking money. So you know my answer would be as always with taking money, you always got a double-edged sword. And the truth is that you the truth is this is how I'd answer it. I think you're right. If you're going to take money, I think you have to know who you're taking money from and what they ultimately want. Right. So then that comes back to am I particularly concerned about taking money from evangelical Christians? And my answer is no, because I'm not particularly I don't have this sense that they want something sinister um, or dangerous or either theologically or politically for me. I happen to personally believe that a um, a friendship and it's not just about money. I think it's um, there are larger issues there, but I think that cultivating positive relationships between the religious world of Israel and of Jews um, and the religious, not just evangelical, but religious Christians in America, I think is a positive movement. I'm not naive. I know you said we're not going to talk about theology, but I think you can't not talk about theology. No, I want to actually turn to theology now. Okay, so I'm not naive. It's not let's, that I... Let's, I, let's now turn to the theology. Okay, so, so here's right, everybody's the big fear. Don't you know they just want to missionize us? Don't you realize that they believe that at the end of days, the way the narrative goes is that there's going to be a giant war, and then... Wait, wait, wait. Those are two different things. Two way different okay, things. Fine. So, oh, fine. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. Okay, okay. So, so fine. Don't you know they want to missionize us? The answer is... Are there missionaries out there that we have to be concerned about? Yes. I think we have to keep our eyes open and we have to be careful when when 
um, missionaries, you know, this phenomenon of missionaries exists, and we have to be um, uh, careful about that, right? Let's say a Jews for Jesus type of a group that are actively interested in missionizing. I don't believe, it's it's not been my experience, and I, I don't think it's really substantiated, that the majority of evangelical Christians um, are interested, or Christians, Bichlal, right now, are interested in actively proselytizing and and uh, converting Jews to Christianity. That's not their mission. They honestly believe, again, this is my impression, um, you know, for, uh, by the way, I also had a very interesting experience with um, Christians who came during the height of the Intifada, when like there was like, it was like a ghost town, America, Israel was a ghost town, a bunch of evangelicals came to Gush Etzion. Um I went with a small group to meet them, and I have to say it was really um, a beautiful experience. I remember like being religiously inspired by this one woman who told me like her life story, and I was like, wow, you must be really strong. And she said, I am weak, my Lord is strong. And I said, if, if only the rest of us could be that, you know, that well, that spiritual. I, I, I will talk about. I get back to that. Yeah. So again, so, so my, my point is, according to the law in in the yes, it's us to missionize exactly. No, it is not a sort to missionize. I thought it was. You're allowed to try to convince somebody to join your religion. You're not allowed to coerce them or try to bribe them by giving them gifts. Uh huh. You okay. Buy them. That's uh, can, very. Can you different. give out pamphlets? I thought you're not allowed to even yes, give out pamphlets. Absolutely. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay, anyway, the point is, I'm not, yes, we should be worried about missionaries. I'm not, I don't think that the, the, the evangelicals and the, again, Christians who are supporting Israel are doing it because they are actively trying to missionize Jews. I don't believe that's what they want. I think that they believe that, um, a couple things, they believe that those who bless Israel will be blessed. And they also believe that God has a plan for the world and that the Jews returning to their land is part of God's great plan for the world. And I think, I also think they love Israel. They love Israel because they love the Bible. The same way we love Israel because we love the Bible. The same way we're profoundly moved by, um, um, you know, uh, 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 Yerushalayim. They're profoundly moved by Yerushalayim. They're moved by the Kinneret, the Sea of Galilee, right? They're moved, they're moved by the places. Their stories took place in Israel just like our stories took place in Israel. And so there's a lot of love for Israel on that level as well. Um, so, I, I, and again, I, I think... And I won't get too much into this unless you push me, Ruby. I happen to think that religious people of all religions would do well in today's world to find commonality. And I'm going to say this cautiously because blah, 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 don't you know? I, today, before we had this conversation, I read Confrontation again, the Rev's work, where he basically says um, you have to make sure that you maintain autonomy of religious belief, right? Nobody's here to meeting... And I mean, I'm saying it to protect Judaism, right? We have to be very strong and clear and firm about what our beliefs are um, and and hold those very strong and dear and fast in terms of our theology and in terms of our, our, our you know, our, our, our tenets of belief. But I think that um, a coalition of people who believe in God um, and who believe in faith, I think is a needed antidote to a lot of um it, unfortunate byproducts of the secularization of the modern world, and I'll I'll leave it at that. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna push back in a second, but I wanna I wanna follow up with you, Johnny, because I know how Molly feels and I know how I feel about it about this end of days thing. That in reality, like many evangelicals feel the need to build up the land of Israel because only when the Jews have returned will then Jesus come. And uh, either I'm not sure if there's gonna be Gog Magog Armageddon. And then his return it will be guaranteed. So there's a sort of self-interest in building up the land of Israel because that will bring 
uh, that would bring, they, in their belief, that would bring Jesus' return. Now, I personally have no problem with that. I say, go ahead, build up the land of Israel, and we'll see who's right in the end. We'll see which Mashiach comes. I don't have a problem with that. I'm pretty sure Molly agrees with me because I we do. discussed this. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I also and want to make another point about that, which is important. Wait, I'm, not, I'm not talking to John. Wait, no, please let me just say, say this, because it's an important point, which is, that's what I didn't like. First of all, I thought this movie was, I thought the documentary was awful on a lot of levels. But one of the things that I think it misrepresented terribly was it seemed to imply that because Christians, evangelicals, want this end of day thing to happen, they're actually warmongering in the Middle East because they want they, they want to bring around this end of days. And I think that is completely an unfair misreading. I don't think Christians are actively trying to bring about Armageddon. I think the same way we have a... Um, have a, a theoretical construct in which an end-of-day war happens or doesn't happen, right, but may happen according to our, our scriptures, which a lot of them are the same scriptures they're reading. Um, we want to bring about God's end-of-days, but it, it, that doesn't mean that we... And, and, and by the way, I'll say something else. When we have people who actively do things that, that, that do that, like the Makhtaret, we say that is not okay. So if Christians would be doing that, I would be concerned. But I think the majority of Christians, like the majority of Jews, are perfectly happy to try to make things happen in Israel in a healthy, positive way, and um, they're not interested in, in, in precipitating violence and war. And I thought that was a very unfair charge um, and slanted, and I found it actually quite distasteful in the... In the, in the um, Agreed. I actually didn't think that was the biggest problem with that. I have a lot of problems with that. Yeah, so I thought it was a terrible documentary. Now, I want to go back to Johnny. Okay, Johnny. One second, Ruby. I want to go back to Mali before you even started asking me, and then Mali got to speak. Yeah. Whatever. So I, I, I want to now uh, go back to what Mali said because uh, there's something which I don't fully understand, and I also somebody who wants to. Um, Wait, are we going back to now her comment about the commentary between the Christians and the, the relationship? Well, well, no, because uh, she, she really now. said three I'm things. The, I'm the narrator. I'm the uh, okay. moderator. So, so Mali basically <laughs> said she recognizes that money has influence and can bring agendas onto the table that's i don't think we need to debate that that's a kind of a given thing she then said that uh well ultimately people want to give us money um she kind of said it but not so strongly then that seems to be a good thing and thirdly i don't think that there is a any improper agenda taking place uh, now oh by the way but I, now I have to cut in that's why the, the 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 producer of the movie i think was so upset about their money because their money, she definitely draws a line. She said their money brings political power in America that brought about a lot of right-wing things in Israel. Right, like that's what she doesn't embassy. like. She doesn't like that they're right-wing. Right it's not that she doesn't. Right. That's so, what so that the bottom money, line. But then, okay, so then go, then if you're going to go against the evangelicals, you got to go against every single um, European, EU fund, you know, that's pouring money in here for their own purposes, right? Meaning that's what lobbying is. We have that on both sides of the political aisle. She just doesn't like it because no, it's the side the of the aisle that she doesn't happen to agree with. No, Mali's entirely right. If we're going to criticize receiving money from people on spectrums, then that has to be across the spectrum. I totally agree with that. But I, I do want to go back to that question, which is, you said, I, I, my belief is that these are well-intended people, which, uh, again, having met somebody who's literally as he carried my child as made Aliyah, I can say on an individual level, I was very much moved by that sentiment, by that gesture, and by that support. Nevertheless, though, you also acknowledge that when you give money, there is even subliminal, 
right? Agendas and messages. When you take and the money, whole point of subliminal take, take is you can't hear that. I can't hear that. And by the way, even that evangelical Christian themselves may not be capable to fully formulate what's an undercurrent. So, I mean, what Rabbi Salant would call kochot anefesh, right? In in terms of Jewish kind of way of doing things, I think would apply here. So, uh, while on paper what you said stacks up. In thinking about, shall we say, the psychology of why people do things, this isn't, it isn't a two-way street. We are not giving millions of dollars back to Christian evangelicals. It's a one-way street. And so I, I just want to challenge you and say, while I like what, I, it's nice to hear what you said, I'm not entirely convinced. That's not because I'm a cynic. It's just, just what do you think that they want condition. from us? Wait, wait, no, I'm in the middle of asking. No, 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 I'm not saying. So I'm, I'm saying, where, I'm asking, where, where, where's the challenge? Meaning, they want the, the state of Israel to flourish and prosper. That is what they want, right? We are giving them that by flourishing and prospering, right? And again, I don't think it's just a money thing. I understand that money is a big piece of this, but I think that. Yeah. And by the way, what does it say in the documentary? What do they say we're giving them? You tell me, I don't know what you're... This made you uncomfortable. No, I don't know what you're saying. Listen, first of all, I Ah, think that... What we're giving them in the documentary, what they say is... We're bringing a... Again, when when they they bless us, they are blessed. And we... Yeah, exactly. Why does a poor Christian uh, community in Appalachia that has no money or whatever, why does it contribute to the state of Israel? Because it says in the Bible, and he, if you if you bless God's people, yeah. you will be blessed. And but I just want to say I agree with all that. But I time, I still want to broaden the conversation because I think, and maybe this is a difference between evangelical. I don't know. I don't know enough about. But like the whole idea, and I think I've I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Rev. Maidan's reading of Shir Hashir, where he talks about the two different types of non-Jews. Right? There's the Dod and the Raya, God and the Jewish people, and then there are the other people in the story. And there, then there, there are the people in the story who try to disrupt that relationship between God and the Jewish people and like beat her up in the fields. And then there are the people who like bring the Jewish people to God. They are the they are the you know Shoshbanim. The they are the what? The protectors. The protectors the and, and the ones who facilitate the wedding. And Rav Maidan said, those are different models of interaction between the Jewish people and the, and the non-Jewish world. And you have to be smart. And you have to be careful of those who are, who are um, who do not have our best interests at hand. But you can't let that color your understanding that there's a whole world out there with whom you can have a really positive and healthy relationship. So even just to kind of turn this into a like monetary transaction, I think is a little bit um, cynical. I think there's something deeper going on here. I think, and again, I, I agree with you. There's like, no, there's no, always a discomfort a when you take money. But, <coughs> I didn't say it's a money, uh, but they, to say that we're not, they're not getting anything back, they give us money. It's almost like, how shall I say this? In a very nauseating way. I was, I was reading Bechadre Haredim because in my research for this, it came across that Ladiara Hospital, which is Sanzu Hasidim, they took money from the ICJC, whatever, from the International Coalition of Christian Jews, from the ICCJ, whatever. Okay? So, so and, and, and of course, the, resp- the sponsors were like, did the Rebbe approve this? Did they not approve this? But that, of course, led me to the homepage. And on the homepage, it said, give money to these 30 poor families, and the Rabbanim promise you a Yeshua that no, right? you'll never have any needs whatsoever. And so... Like, Correct. Of course, so I'm I uncomfortable with that right language. Away. I clicked right away. I entered all of my family's names. <laughs> and Baruch Hashem, since then, it's unbelievable. Everybody's SMS from the, from the government that, you know, I won the lottery. 
Listen, I, I, I don't and like that language in general. I agree with you. I agree with you. I don't like, I didn't like that. That was a piece in the doc- documentary I didn't love. And again, I have to say with all great respect to Mayor Eckstein, was that his name? Right, who passed away recently. And now his daughter, Yael, is continuing her his work. And I, I happen to think they're doing good work. I happen to be pro what they're doing. Yechiel Eckstein, that's his name. I didn't love when she said, you know, yes, and I've, you know, she said something like that, which was a little too close to like, you know, um, what's the, what was the Luther, Luther thing that he was against? Uh, indulgences, right? You pay money to the priest and then, boop, all your, all your sins go away. And the same thing, you know, give us the money and Ravavaja, Ravavaja, but like, you know, Rabbi X will daven for you and everything. I don't like that whole religious um, perspective. I, I, I don't like it theologically and I think it's manipulative. I don't like it. So I didn't love that sentence and I agree with you. I don't love that, but I don't want to reduce the entire thing to that. How do you feel about her running around, running around, uh, the South collecting money. Meaning, I want to. I understand we have. Mich- I mean, like, I'm never going to get back to Johnny. I see it. So, right, so go back to Johnny. I want to. So, no, no. Uh, I want to know. I really want to follow I up. I think with this is a real how conversation. Did you, how did you feel? Okay, about, so and what I call the yuck factor. Like, I had right. a sense. Like, it's one thing when I go and, and I'm in. I'm I'm in favor of fundraising in a theoretical way. I appreciate the need to fundraise, but. Sending a representative to, to churches around the world and saying, we need your help because the state of Israel is not supporting Holocaust survivors. And, uh, you know, we want to say, we want to, you know, it made me feel yucky. Right. Listen, that, but there's that same yuck that's factor. That's a technical term. There's that yuck. Right? We've talked about that. Haven't we been talking about yuck factor in the state of Israel since its inception? You know, no, like the rich no, no, American. No, between going to Jews around the world and saying, we are, this is the Jewish state and this is your responsibility and you have a stake here and it's your state and, that, and, and therefore yeah, you should support the people. Numbers. That's one thing. And then there's... Yeah, but there's 17 million evangelical Christians, meaning... I, I, I understand that. It's a pra- I like so. But yeah, by the way, I just want to one more thing, which is I once heard from a fundraiser who said when you ask for money, what you have to stop thinking is that you have your hands out and they're doing you a favor. When a fundraiser goes to somebody, it's like you're doing them a favor. They would like to give to the world. They would like to contribute. They would like to make the world a better place. You're giving them an opportunity to do that, right? And that's how fun, that, that's how su- successful fundraisers operate. And here too, with all, I, and I believe that 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 this organization, I think it's sincere. I think they really do believe that that it's like a partnership of. Together, so we're, like we're, we're making what, Israel a better place, and we're strengthening money? both of our communities, and we're strengthening the positive relationship. More than them giving us money. What? Like you don't hear any of that. Meaning, what? What else do they do? What do we give back to them? First of all, What's we the provide country? them the opportunity to come and and tour our amazing country and be in the in a free state of Israel. Wait, don't don't make a face. That was not possible before 1948. You think you, you think you could just come and 100%, like? percent again. What what is the, no, the international coalition of Christians and Jews? Okay, so the specific organization. organization I, I'll step I, back I'm and tell you, I can't. You know, I'm not going to like defend the specific organization. No, no, no. I'm not the answer. We're talking about taking evangelical money that's our discussion okay? so I'm, I'm saying I'm, I'm I, I, I when I think about I the question the I broaden it I don't think it's just and, about the money I think and, it's about the relationship I'm very in favor you know the it, bigger than APAC or not bigger than more powerful than APAC by far more powerful than APAC is CPAC which is unbelievable yeah. you know you have all these Christians that people don't the Congress doesn't do what what APAC wants to do Congress does what CPAC wants to do because you know we have a little bit of influence. They have a lot of influence. No, for I think sure. that's unbelievable. That's a, that's that's. There's a reason Trump mentioned moving the embassy to Jerusalem at every rally in the South. 
He mentioned that before he mentioned the Abrahamic Accords, because I think that with the evangelicals, I think that rate, rate's higher, which is, I think, interesting. Sorry, let's okay. move to Johnny. Let, let's, come back to, let's come back to Johnny. Johnny, I, I started to ask you, maybe it'll, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. <laughs> I'll mute my microphone so I can't say anything. No, I, I enjoy the conversation. How, did, how does the theological thing bother you? Does it, does it bother you? Well, I, I actually, I wanted to ask it like this. Put on a hat of somebody it does bother and try to explain to me why, why they think it's a problem. Is that, a fair, is that fair? Because I, so I, I, I will, but I'm going to answer again with something different and then bring it back. What, what you may not realize is for the last seven years when I've been teaching uh, in, a, in one of the Midrash shop where I teach, I've been teaching a course called The Dignity of Difference, which is a phrase coined by uh, Rabbi Sachs, um, uh, but about Jewish-Christian relations over the last 2,000 years. The last seven years, I've been teaching seminary girls about Jewish-Christian relations. In fact, just about two hours ago, I was teaching that class uh, today. Now, the reason I do that is because I think it's important to know history. It's important to understand theology. It's important to know that where we are now is radically different to where we were. Uh, and in fact, when you know, I remember I was so profoundly moved when I first saw you know, the, that picture of the Pope, uh, John Paul, coming to... Um, uh, the cartel, right? And this happened when I was, I think, in my late te mid to late teens. I still have the newspaper clipping. And that was, how is that even possible? From everything we know about Jewish-Christian relations over the last 2,000 years, and there's no point hiding it. And by the way, even Rabbi Sachs, who worked you know, in partnership with many people, when he spoke, he said, I'm not going to hide what we know also happened. He was very, very clear that we have to put things on the table and also recognize significant progress. So the issue really isn't, what do I know about um, general Christian theology? I know quite a bit. What do I know about you know, replacement theology? What do I know about how um, Christians are related to the Jewish people post the destruction of the Second Temple period and how the establishment state of Israel has been theologically challenging? It's led to a paradigm shift, some for the good, some for the bad, right? All of that is a backdrop to this phenomena, which, as you say, has, is not new for now, but has increased and has had significant uh, expressions in, in recent years about evangelical tr Christian support, both financial, political, uh, um, geopolitical, uh, in, in, in Israel and elsewhere in the world. So how do I feel about it? When I watched the documentary, I have to say, um, I felt uncomfortable because at least some of the preachers spoke in a manner that didn't sit well with me as a human being, let alone as a Jew, let alone as a Jew, as a citizen of the state of Israel. Whether they necessarily represent the voices and the intent... Wait, what specifically are you of, referring to? I'm curious. With, like, what made you uncomfortable when he spoke about end times and sorry, you're all going to die? Mo yeah, mo mostly end of days, right? Mo no, no. How did you like it when he turned to the documentary lady and said, whatever her name was, Hey, uh, Yael, I could save you right now. Do you, would you accept Jesus? Like, I was like, that yeah. was real. That so, was real. But, but she was, was in the church, and, you know? And we, and we shouldn't ignore that. I think, it, I mean, whatever, we, whatever this conversation is, and this is three uh, of us who are interested, we're non-experts. We're speaking about a topic which is interesting to us. We're not trying to be authoritative. And that was a moment of significant discomfort, which to ignore would be to be foolish and... Um, and I think we have to acknowledge that people with very, very clear agendas 
who actually I'd rather be sitting with somebody whose agenda I know, the one whose mm -hmm. agenda I think I know, but practically I don't. Right, but then, then we uh, say that there's no missionizing agenda. Are we fooling ourselves? I, I think we're partially fooling ourselves, but nonetheless, returning to your question, what, how do I, how am I comfortable about the, the theology presented in the documentary and I've seen in other documentaries? Fundamentally, Christians read the Bible radically differently to me, right? Meaning, putting aside all this money, how do I read? How do I relate to somebody who reads into my Tanakh messages which I don't think are there and fundamentally disagree are there? So I feel uncomfortable even when that happens. Here, this is a further complication because it seemed to be a tool and an avenue to to influence and thereby bring about a second coming. Uh, perhaps at the cost of uh, Jews and many other people in the world, but in the here and now, we seem to be using it for a certain uh, pragmatic reason. So I, it doesn't sit well. Um, my understanding and the way I see this, this is the following. Everybody's using everybody, yeah? I think this is a matter, like Mali said, here, it's a question of politics, where theology is part of it, but I don't think it's central. If it was, I don't think we'd be having the conversation, because fundamentally we look at the world quite differently. There is a certain level of overlap whereby we can ignore the fundamental differences in theology where each party feels they're gaining, where each party doesn't feel significantly threatened with one another, and which comes off the back of the last 70 years, 60 years, where there's been a radical shift in Jewish-Christian relationships. And I think the Jewish people as a whole would like that healing to continue and we see this as an opportunity to kind of say, we know there was lots of wrongs done by you to us, and we're prepared to turn a blind eye in many ways about some of the things that still bother us about how you speak for the game we can get. And though I don't want to draw any significant and certainly not theological parallels, nonetheless, reparations, you know, come to mind about, you know, David Ben-Gurion and his whole, uh, you know, questioning whether it's appropriate or not to take money from Germany when he knows it's pragmatically necessary, but he knows that it goes against the grain and offends many people on a very deep basis. We've spoken about this before. It's not the same point, so I don't want to understand. the same answer is no. You see this money, in a sense, as an attempt to reconnect with the Jewish people? Because I never, I'm, I'm I, saying, I I never no, thought I, about it that way, but if that was uh, true... No then I would expect relationship between Israel and the Catholic Church to be far so different. Say, and I, we're not I'm talking not, about Catholics. We're talking about evangelicals I, I, and American right. South. I cannot, I cannot speak about the agenda of somebody who doesn't tell me their agenda. And I can tell you in the documentary, some people who express their agenda, that seems reasonable, and some, it seems very uncomfortable. I'm, it's not for me to try and probe the kochadanefesh of others where I think it's more complicated than necessarily any of us are... are so, bottom line, does it, does it make you so, uncomfortable to take their money? Or, eh, it's fine, everybody uses everybody. It, it's hard to know, because I'm not a, I'm not a financier. I'm not a... Ah. I'm not building the country, and I don't know what we wouldn't have if we didn't have. I think economic No, it's not a practical issue. It's not a practical issue. It's a theological issue. It's, no, a, it's a very it, practical issue with a, with a theological bent. Hmm. I think economic partnerships 
um, come with conditions or come with understandings. We've always done that, all nations and all places. I think we're doing it now. And the question being portrayed in Atzof Olam is, is this a price too much to pay? Right, um, and then, Ma- and then Mali's point comes in because that's all a political question. And obviously they had their answer and we might have a different answer. Right, that's true. right. Okay, I want to turn back to Mali for a second. Mali, I want to ask you, like, how does it make you feel that we're talking about, let's, I want to broaden the question a little bit. And, 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 you know, just the pictures in my mind, now that I've seen this video, but think about the, the partnerships that we've seen. If you've ever been to an APEC conference, like, you know, that they're, they're so, the Christians and Jews that are there. And then just the picture of Mincha at the White House, or the pictures from the, the you know, this, there seems to be this new alliance between evangelicals and Orthodox Jews that's somewhat political. There are sort of pseudo-religious undertones of mutual understanding that here are these people that have these values that nobody else really gets and that we sort of share. How does that, you know, I don't think I'm saying something that's, on, that, that's, that's um, it's not about money per se, but how does it make you feel now that, that orthodoxy and orthodox Jews, not necessarily modern, but orthodox Jews now to seem, have, seem to have found new bedfellows, uh, ki'ilu, uh, in the evangelical Christian movement. Right, so that's, a, that's an interesting question. First of all, I, I just want to say very quickly about Johnny's point about the historical paradigm shift. I think it's really important. Like, I think to, to understand the history of the relationship between the Jewish people and, and Christianity and the Christian church and the paradigm shift that happened, it's really nothing. I mean, it's one of the, one, it's one of the six knocks in Kaldo Dido Fake. The fact that the state of Israel forced um, Christian theology to reassess itself and meaning, I remember growing up, my father said the Pope will never visit Israel. It will never happen. It will. It's impossible for the Pope to visit Israel because it means that the that the entire theology upon which he is based, right, that 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 Veris Israel and the witness people, and we're going to be tortured forever, and we'll never return to our land. It undermines their entire theology. It will never happen. So there has been a tremendous paradigm shift within the within the Christian world. Now that being said, I'm not completely naive, yeah. and I, not, I don't think these evangelicals really are thinking about that. that that's what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is, first of all, there's been a tremendous. Par- I, I meaning what I'm saying is when we. I don't like the way, there's something about the way we're talking about Christianity that I don't like. Meaning, on the one hand, I'm very, very aware of um, the difficult and contentious history between Jews and Christians. And I think that, that, that we have to be aware of it. We have to be knowledgeable about it. We have to still keep our eyes open for places in which um, the, 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 the tensions and even the danger still exists. At the same time, I don't like this language of we're using each other. I'll use you, you use me, you know, like, oh, I'm using you for your money and your political power and you're using me because you want to get to the end of days and we'll see who's right at the end or whatever it is, right? I I don't like that language. I'm going to go back to what you said. I think, and again, I feel like I'm turning a little bit into David Brooks and I really hope I don't because he ended up uh, abandoning his Judaism and becoming Christian, which is not what I want to do. However, (laughs) um, he really did, right? uh, But um, I, I really am... As time goes on and as I'm becoming more um, interested in, in religious people, Christian religious people, whether they're evangelicals or just people of very strong faith, I really am finding that I have a lot in common with them. Now, you could also argue with me you have a lot of differences. Like, don't be so naive and just kind of paper. Like, that's what Johnny said. We read the Bible completely differently. There are a lot of fundamental differences between our our theological worldviews. However, at the same time, there are a lot of similarities in the ways in which we believe that you should live your day-to-day life 
and in the ways in which we believe we should be interacting with other people um, in terms of values and in the in, in the ways in which we think about the role of God in our lives, which is kind of what I was alluding to before. So when you say like this very strange, like, you know, alliance between like, you know, from Jews on the White House lawn and evangelical Christians, and isn't that strange? And, I, and it's like what I said before, like, in many ways, like a, a, a from Christian in America, I have a lot more in common with than other people who you might at face value think that I should have more in common with. We have, meaning my, my, I'm really finding that a lot of my core values um, are much more similar than people who have not had a lot of exposure to serious religious um, people not of their own faith might be. And, and I think that that's, again, I don't want to turn into David Brooks. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to turn into a person who ends up, and I'm not, don't worry, I'm not going to. But, and I, I'm aware of those dangers, right? It's like when I dove deep into some very, very interesting theologians, um, it, you know, in college, and then I like went to one of my mentors and said, like, help, like, I don't want to become Christian. So could you remind me, like, you know, where the lines are? Um, and it was a very interesting conversation we had. Um, so I, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be careful, but I'm saying like there's actually real room to find common ground that's actually enriching. I think that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I'm finding conversations with people of religions that are not mine and talking to them about faith and and um, and values and again, day-to-day lives. I'm finding them enriching and I'm finding them enriching because sometimes the things they have to say deepen my own faith and give me new perspective and I find it enriching sometimes because I see the differences and so I, I don't I don't view it as merely transactional. You find it enriching the language that they use and the way they talk about their their you know and the way they speak about their faith. What do I find enriching? Yeah sometimes it's the language sometimes it's it's the ideas. I'll give you another example. Um I had a conversation with somebody and yeah, but Molly, you're, you're taking you're, you're like you're taking meaning yeah, you take it to an ideological sense, and I think most people would be very uncomfortable with that. I don't know about our listeners, but many, many people would be very, very, very uncomfortable with that, and it's very, very, very dangerous. And only someone, I would say, of your knowledge and comfort level would be okay. I don't know if I'd feel good about my kids having those kinds of conversations, but that's not what I asked you. I asked you more about, about political bedfellows and common ideas, especially in the United States, right. where so, they, they, they seem to have, like, the right, it seems more right-wing and political than it is. Yeah, listen, me, I personally, um, you know, you know, it's not a big secret that I identify conservative, so I don't really have a problem um, having a, my political bedfellow be evangelical Christians. I don't have a problem with that. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. I want to um, sort of stop this conversation here. I think there's a lot more to say, but as always, there's a lot more to say. Oh, Molly, did you have anything to say about the documentary? I'm wondering how you felt about it. <laughs> For $10,000, you can hear my... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I would like to say what I found mo- most upsetting is how disgusting they framed this wonderful pastor. They obviously went around with him and filmed him for days and days. And of course, they start and end the documentary you know, by showing how he's, uh, he does target practice. It begins and ends with him playing, with him using his guns. Yeah. The idea that, just to visually show that, first of all, these are hillbillies. Number two, all they do is care about guns, and all they care about is war. Bitterly cr- clinging to their guns and religion. Remember that? I thought that was just disgusting and, and not even subtle. And uh, I, I'll say it for you. Like, you know, I say it all the time. You can never watch anything without trying to understand what the agenda, and they made it very clear. 
And I, I wish more. I wish it would have been a more honest. Like, because they asked good questions, and there were really interesting questions of of, um, of of what's his name, the head of the of the uh, of the Christ, of the coalition, um, what's Achilles' daughter. Really yeah. interesting questions, yeah. and you know, and and there's a lot to say. But they just said it very bad. Right. The honest truth yeah. is, I was really hoping that I would get, I really am interested in like this question that Johnny raised before of like, how much do we have to be suspicious and how much does end, end times play a role? And I was really hoping to get more insight into that because I don't know. And I think Johnny's right. Like the places that we don't know, that's where I'm more concerned. And I was hoping to see that. And that's not what I saw. I just saw kind of a hit piece. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to stop here. We're going to end it with our, our new feature, Hamlet's Out. So we'll start with Molly. Molly, what do you have to recommend? Really? I feel like we should start with Johnny. Poor Johnny. Let Johnny speak a little bit. What, 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 I, I don't know what to say, so I'm listening to yours first. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I didn't know we were supposed to be giving like specific hamlets out, so I just chose something you, to, you told me last week. I thought this was beautiful. Um, see, here again, this is, this is a quote from someone who is, I, believe, I, I imagine she's Christian, and um, I thought that this was beautiful. This was after the election when everybody was losing their minds on both sides of the aisle. So this is what she wrote. Um, I hope in the coming days, instead of ruminating on my own worries, I will share the light I do possess with those that may need it. We all have untapped strength. The political system may be failing, but we have a spouse we love or children we cherish. May our, maybe our candidate loses or wins, right? It doesn't matter who our candidate is, but we still have our faith in God. We can find confidence in our gratitude. We can use that as a point of strength to help others. The more we stop thinking of our own concerns and focus on others, the brighter our light. We'll be active in relieving suffering rather than dwelling on our own. So this week, let's distract ourselves with well-doing. And as we sacrifice our own fear, we will bring peace and light to this chaotic world. I found that inspiring. I'm going to just uh, leave that. Okay. Johnny, what do you have? Do you have something? You know, I'm not going to force you. You, you. you want me to quote? No, 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 say, no. Okay, I, the idea of this is, what did you come across this week or whatever that you think people would be interested in knowing about? I'll, I'll share mine, and then I have so, two things, actually. Well, what's oh, up to you? Yeah, you go. Uh, my first one is, I have to share a place in the Shuk called Shuk Cafe. If you don't, if you, we, we order coffee from them, and they deliver it. it they, they ship it in the mail, and it always comes on time. Amazing coffee. Okay, that's number one. And number two, I recently saw, I actually shot a Facebook post about this, I, I, the latest episode of The Mandalorian, which I think Molly can now not watch, okay? But because it became very interesting, if you're following such things, because it has religious overtones. Because The Mandalorian, people who watch it know that he's a member of a religious sect. And now he encountered other Mandalorians that are not as frum as he is, i.e. they took off their, their helmets, they showed their face. And he's, he very much has a crisis of, of confidence of what does it mean to be a Mandalorian now that he recognizes that there are other people that are more modern than he is that reinterpret the truth the way and they always say like that the sisma of the Mandalorians is this is the way this is the way there's a derech and uh, I thought that was very interesting religiously and something to follow so uh, and, and, and of course um, who doesn't like Star Wars <laughs> Johnny so I'll, t I'll tell you my Hamlatza which was this past Shabbat I spent in Midrash at Lindenbaum as a scholar in residence teaching my students. And uh, the theme, obviously, uh, given the sudden and tragic loss of uh, Rabbi Sachs, was I, I got an opportunity to teach his talk, uh, thought to them. I've been teaching a course about the thought of Rabbi Sachs for many years, uh, but not yet at Midrash at Lindenbaum. And it was just a wonderful thing to teach students ideas from somebody obviously they've heard of, but perhaps haven't had access to all of his teachings or not necessarily 
uh, come across specific ideas which I think would deeply resonate with them. On Shabbat morning, I read a short essay which I think I'm going to be likely speaking about for a Shloshim event for Matan, titled Faith is a Marriage. It's just so exquisite. And what moved me isn't just his words and what he says and what he says about his wife and what he says about faith, but watching students who've not read this essay, who've not thought about these ideas, watching their eyes and their hearts be lifted up as if hearing a poet who they'd never come across before, listening to a piece of music they'd never heard before, that makes it all make sense. So anybody who's interested, I'll gladly scan and send you a copy of Faith of the Marriage. It's a very short essay, but it's exquisite, and it was a privilege, uh, truth be told, to share this with all my students and watch them fall in love. It's not with a person, it's with ideas which are part of our tradition, but it took such a skilled and wonderful educator to present it with such depth, passion, and clarity that made it make so much sense to them. Wow. Thanks very much. Okay, my name is Ruvain Spolter. We'll wrap it up here. Uh, I want to thank Rabbi Dimali Bravsky and Rabbi Johnny Solomon. Uh, as always, I'll thank my son, Patasha Spolter, for our music and remind you, if you're still here with us, to leave us a rating in the iTunes store and, if possible, a positive review. Uh, have a great week, everybody. Bye now.